precious Jesus. As you take your seats, thank you, Lord, as we pray and declare your name in this place. Lord, we humble ourselves before you right now and acknowledge you as God and Lord. We need you. Thank you for the space of worship. Thank you that we can come together, Lord, in your name and uh, lift up the high praises to our God because you are worthy. And we, we pray today, Father, that you would speak through me, that I would just be your servant and that you would speak to me, that you'll speak through me and you'll speak to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. How are you today? Doing good? Well, I feel a little refreshed. We had a couple of weeks uh, break, which was, which was lovely to have. Um, got to see some dolphins, as Gabe mentioned as well, so that was pretty cool. But we, uh, in the space of it all, had a good time, didn't we, Gabe? Didn't have too many arguments, did we? Okay. We don't do that, do we? No. Um, well, we do a little bit if we're driving. We need desperately, we need a lot of marriage counselling when it's in the car. We need the counsellor in the car when we're in the car driving. That's the only place, really, that we, we tend to disagree a lot. And uh, anyway, things are said that should not be said. Anyway. I want to speak to you this morning about a message that, that uh, I, I witnessed something a few weeks ago where a young 15-year-old girl, Jada, was sharing her testimony just before baptism. She's there with a crowd of uh, a number of people ready to, to go through the waters of baptism. And she start, started to share her own troubles and her own difficulties and her own insecurities about coming to this point of being baptized. There was a couple of things that she said to me that really, well, said to me, but said and spoke out, and I, it just grabbed my heart, and it was almost like God just spoke to me. So she started to declare that, you know, I, I, I've been putting this off because I've just not felt worthy enough. I've just not felt good enough. I constantly have these thoughts, negative thoughts and ideas that when I look at that person, they look really good, and, and they do this well, and, and, and here am I, and I'm here am, here am I. And so she wrestled with this and she's sharing this, this journey. What got her to this point, though, was the fact that she'd witnessed just pre previously to this event her friends getting baptized and they were saying the same thing. And she thought, well, this is not just me. Maybe I'm, I am okay. Maybe this is just how we think and we're, we're growing and learning as a species in that sense. And so anyway, but what, what grabbed me is that, uh, in part, the word, I'm not good enough. And I wonder how many of us at times feel like we are not good enough. We're not good enough. Uh, in a whole heap of different scenarios, I'm not good enough to be a leader, I'm not good enough to be a pastor, I'm not good enough to be married, I'm not good enough to have these friends, I'm not good enough to have this job, I'm not good enough to live in Tasmania. You know, you are good enough, it's a beautiful place. And so we wrestle with these thoughts and, and the real challenge is that we have to come to terms with the reality. Here it is. We are not good enough in our own space, in our own presence, in our own right. We are not good enough because if we were, Jesus wouldn't have to come and die for us. He wouldn't have to be born and die for us. 
So it's a great demonstration as we've been singing this morning of God's love towards us. So what I'm going to do is present a sense of God's perspective and God's plan, but also our participation in understanding God's plan as we do this journey together. I know we all feel this, but let me just focus on a couple of thoughts as we just unpack this a little bit. Firstly, you, I need you to know that you are loved. You are wonderfully loved. In Isaiah 43, verse 4, it's speaking to Israel, but also it's speaking to each one of us as individuals who belong to God. Because you are more precious, priceless uh, is another word that is used here, in my eyes, priceless. Just think sometimes when I feel like I am not worthy, who am I? Who loves me? Is there anybody who loves me? Is there anybody who knows me? Well, God says I do. He says, you are uh, priceless in my eyes. You are honored and I myself love you. Look at this deep commitment God is expressing here. And I give people in place of you. So speaking in terms of Israel, he's saying that you forget of everything else, you matter. And nations in place of your life. There are so many scriptures that we could just unpack right now about how God sees us. And it is a journey. The Bible says and teaches us that we are precious, we are loved, we are chosen, we are wonderfully made. Whatever you may think of you as you look in the mirror or what someone may have said or didn't say, you are precious, you are wonderfully made, you are loved, you are chosen, you are known. And the Bible even says that God rejoices over you. So it's very hard to leave today not feeling God's love. I hope that that comes out really clear. But the reality is that we are not good enough in our own right. We are not good enough, and yet somehow we matter to God. I know that may sound like a horrible thing, but to, in reality, doesn't it bring release? I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not. This is who I am, and as God's love is received into my heart, I can be all that he's called me to be. I think that's a good place to begin. It brings a lot of, of relief and release because I'm not trying to measure up and I'm not trying to be enough in my own strength. And we all try and do that sometimes. Some of you may be failed relationships, marriages, you name it, different contexts of what your, your history has been, your narrative has been. And it's easy to walk away and go, I'm a failure. I'm pathetic. How do I not see this? How do I mess, mess, this, mess this or mess this up? But you're not. You're not that. You're human. And we make mistakes. And we put so much pressure on ourselves trying to think we can fix us and we can always get it right when we have a saviour who is perfectly there for us for every moment of the day. I think that's a good place to say amen. Amen. We place so much expectation, high expectations on ourselves. Even our leaders and our teams at times and churches can be so compressed with this sense of, of perf perfect. God doesn't call us to be perfect. In the, in the word perfect, it means complete. Yes, but not trying to be better than, than someone else. We are not perfect. 
When any organisation, group or church makes us believe or pretend that we are perfect, look out. We are in a growing space. We are not perfect. Romans 1.21, there's a few scriptures here, but not many, uh, not on the screen anyway. Or uh, Verse uh, 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God and give thanks to him, but, because, uh, but became futile in their thinking and were, their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they become fools. Fools, sorry, fools. Yeah, it's very costly fuel, isn't it? Anyway, fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. I like what Paul says, and I believe this is in the context of him learning and growing as a disciple of Jesus, that he says, that I, what is wrong with me that I'm doing the things I don't want to do? This is what I want to do, but I'm doing this. And we admit that we need help. We need help to be who God has called us to be. And that's the whole idea of being a Christian. Is that not that we are perfect in our own right? Not that we are uh, in any sense uh, self-sufficient, but we need the sufficiency of Christ in and of our lives. It's not a message that people like to hear because the world would say that you are complete in who you are. You are perfect in who you are. And who you say you are, everybody has to bow down and worship you. That's the world that we're living in right now. It's very toxic. Our culture of not enoughs has defined people with little desire or little understanding of the kingdom principles. Well, I'm not enough. I don't feel enough in this space, so I'm going to change this and I'm going to change that about me so I can feel enough. And so that we're reshaping ourselves as we read. We're re-imaging ourselves in our own likeness. These are some challenging times for us. Our world, is, for me, has never been more fragmented, more culturalistically diverse, aggressive, hostile, confused and broken. You know it. Look around. Listen. Watch the news. Listen to what's happening. Listen to what's being said. Listen to the narrative. I'm just here as a, almost as a warning today, as a, as a beaming light, but a warning signal, like a lighthouse saying, be very cautious about what you hear and what you take on and what you receive as truth. We have a plethora of definitions, like uh, new words that probably didn't exist in a, a number of years ago, like culture politics. Identity politics, culture wars, race wars, even virtually, virtual signalling. All these words, and there's a plethora of other descriptions, labels, and even phobias that then are attached to people who would disagree with somebody else. Lifestyle or decision making. Anyway, we move on, I digress. It certainly feels like it's, it's never been more broken as I look around, but we know it's always been broken. The narcissistic nature of humanity, the innate desire to worship self, this is what we are wrestling with and globalisation has encouraged this and has fueled this on where we get to see what's happening in different continents and we start to take shape because of that. We're more connected than ever before. So we're brought into the act that we can uh, worship self. Is there any wonder that we're feeling low and, and, and struggling with with these feelings because the consequences of those choices and pains of emptiness are hard to bear, hard to carry. And I want to admit this morning that this is not a new thing. 
In Genesis 3, 5, it says, you will be like gods. This was the temptation. You will be like gods. You don't need God. Exclude God. You will be like gods yourself. And so man has always then been, uh, if you like, hell-bent on making uh, God in his own image. Romans 8, 8, it says, the flesh cannot please God. See, the more we focus on ourselves, the more empty we become. And that can happen even in the church. That can happen as believers, that we start to focus on us and our strength and our giftings and whatever it else, and we start to forget that we need God still. We need that relationship with Jesus. One of the things that Jada said is that because she struggled with praying and having set orders of how to do things, because of those struggles, that really impacted on how she would could pray and read. And so those things just made her feel inferior. And that's a lie from the devil. You may not find you can read as much Bible as the next person next to you, but that's not, that's not the deal. You just do what you can do. And you work at everything you can yourself to be as close as you can with Jesus. When I say work, you put into practice. You desire, you motivate yourself to do what you can do. And God will do what you can't do. So today we live in a world that is changing and exchanging our image for something else. Human nature, not the band, is human nature. That means by virtue of being human, we are sinners and we are lost, we are broken and we are defamed. We are helpless in our own strength and we need a saviour. And the only saviour that, that is adequate enough is Jesus Christ. Total depravity is a word, it's a theological word, you might not hear it, and there's some other words and connotations that, that play with this, but it helps us to piece together the reasons why sometimes we find life what it is and how it is. So with respect to the Reformed theology doctrine of sin, it points to the view or understanding that every element of human nature is thoroughly infected by sin. Total depravity is a phrasal name that is used to summarize what the Bible teaches about the spiritual condition of fallen humanity. It means such depravity does not mean that people are as evil as they could be, nor does it that they cannot possess the will to do good. Rather, total depravity means every aspect, intellect, mind, reason, emotions, feelings, sentiments, will, preferences, motivations, and even decision-making, of course, all lead to experiencing the devastating consequences of sin. Sin is like gravity. It always has a pull of influence many times, again and again, even though we are not aware of it. What we essentially, it means is that we cannot please God in our own right. I heard someone the other day in a conversation of witnessing saying that uh, I struggle with the fact that I need to worship a God or love a God who needs worship, demands worship from me. God doesn't need worship from us. He's complete in his own being. He doesn't need anything from us. He's offered the, the hand and the extension and the lift up, but he doesn't need us. And we sometimes think, that God needs me. I know some other arguments to that, but in Isaiah 64, it says, we have all become like one who's unclean. All our righteous deeds are like the polluted garment. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, we know God can. In Romans 3, Paul talks about we're all under sin. 
Simply put, this means that mankind is under the control of sin and is controlled by a sinful nature or a tendency to sin. The fact that unregenerate people are controlled by their selfish, sinful tendencies should not surprise any of us. Unfortunately, many Christians are still being controlled even by this unregenerate heart or mind or focus on the flesh. We know as, a parent that, as parents we never had to teach our children to do wrong. We had to teach them to do right. We need to teach them to share, teach them to be kind, teach them to share that bag of lollies. It's not just for you, share it. No, you know that's true. If your child is different, well, that's interesting. And that's a whole other subject. Romans 3 says in the holy writings, there's not one person who is right with God. No, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who tries to find God. Everyone has turned away from God. This is what we're living in right now, more so than ever before. It's okay to hate God today. It's okay not to be right with God today. It's okay to admit that you don't need a saviour. These are the challenges. On slide uh, four, I have just sometimes the thinking that happens here between those who have a worldly mind and a sanctified mind, those outside of Christ and those inside of Christ. They say, I don't need a saviour. I'm answerable to no one. I'm good enough. There is no God. I am God, maybe. There is no fear of God if God is acknowledged and they need, they're in a space where they need grace to be received. God says, you are in sin, you are unholy and unrighteous and unloving. And I love the songs that we sang because it reminds us of the work that God is, is doing. But God says in Christ, that God says God's love is received, that we in Christ become acceptable. Hey, we become what? Worthy, holy, righteous through Christ's death, blood and resurrection. And however, you may understand this, that grace is to be received for some. For us, grace is received, and that makes all the difference. Yeah, we can sin, but sin does not define me. I'm not defined by that sin. You, we have a new nature in Christ, and we are enough in Christ and alive in Christ. So Paul goes on, their mouths are open like the grave. They tell lies with the tongue. Whatever they say is like poison. We go on and on. Have a look at what Paul's noticing here in this passage, quoting from the Old Testament. No one is without sin. No one seeks after God. There is no one who is good. Their speech is corrupted by sin. Their actions are corrupted by sin. Above all, they have no fear of God as they are corrupted and sin takes hold of them. James says in 4.17, if you know what is the right to do and don't do it, it's sin. So we aren't enough, but we are enough. We aren't enough on our own, but we are enough because Jesus says we are enough. And we have to make that transition. It's two sides of one coin. We have to understand that we matter to God. His love makes us worthy. So I worship God not because he needs it. If he doesn't. I worship God because I'm grateful and I'm thankful that I've, I am saved from my sins that I've been delivered, that I've been set free. And some days more than others, it feels like that. Let's be honest. Let's be real. We know who we are, and we know our own battles and struggles that we have from time to time, and we wonder. I was doing a bit of gardening the other day. I got so frustrated, I wanted to swear. I don't swear, but I just felt like it because I was just so annoyed. Everything was not going the way it needed to be. It was just like, take five. Gardening is meant to help me relax. And it did the complete opposite. And I was just shocked in my own attitude. 
I wanted to swear. I don't swear. I used to swear a lot, but not now. Not for a number of years, 30-something years. My goodness, I swore like a trooper. I was a trooper. Anyway, that's another story. And, and so now here I am thinking, I just wanted to vent it out and just say it. And feel like, yeah. But I didn't. But I wanted to. Because I was so frustrated. His love makes us worthy. That's the message of salvation. That's why it's so important. That's why people need to hear that because if we don't tell them the difference, because everyone's thinking that they're worthy and we don't need a saviour. Well, we do need a saviour. We definitely do need a saviour. And this is where grace comes in. Because Easter and Christmas are significant events in the calendar that remind us that without God's love and God's intervention, we are in trouble. And God wants us to know that. There was no easy thing that his son came. God the son came and gave his life for mankind. But it was a necessary thing. It had to happen for us to, to be people who could en enter into relationship with him. I know I'm simplifying this, this understanding this morning. It is God intervening, becoming a man to identify with us at every level. Nothing, and I mean nothing, you and I can do can bridge that gap of sin. It's only what Jesus can do and what he has done through grace. Only what God has done and keeps on doing today in my life and in your life is that makes relationship possible. This is that grace, this amazing grace that we want to sing about, the grace that we heard in the words, the things that God woos us into, this wonderful space so I'm always wanting to sing and I'm always wanting to be rejoiceful and I'm always wanting to be together because this is what we celebrate. We celebrate that once I was lost, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah, glory to God. Once you were lost, and I hope if that's your case, that's your story. If not, we can change that narrative. But once I was lost, but now you are found. can be your declaration as well. May our eyes be open, our spiritual eyes be open to see what God would want to do for us. Because he says we are loved, deeply loved. For God so loved the world. And we go on and on with the scriptures. The Bible is written that God's love for us needs to be known. It needs to be known that we are incomplete without him. But with him we can do all things. As he would enable us to do that. Properly understood the doctrine of total depravity will destroy the hopes of those who place their faith in any type of works-based system of salvation and it will recognise that God's, uh, only God's sovereign grace is our only hope. Total depravity destroys any self-righteousness and any misconceptions about our ability to be saved in our own efforts. So it leaves us asking the question, as we've said in lead up to Matthew 19, when the disciples asked Jesus, well, who can be saved? And Jesus said, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah, Matthew 19. So there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. I want you to feel the release of that right now. But there is a perfect God. There is a perfect Saviour. And his name is Jesus. I like what Jade concludes at the end of her, her testimony. She says, I will always be good enough 
for God. This is her transition. She started by thinking, I'm not good enough and, and I'm not worthy in, in her own right. No, but because of God's love. So she goes on in this, this journey of transition, of recognizing that I will always be good enough for God because his love is unconditional. And, G, and he sent Jesus to die for our sins. How good is that? This young girl recognizing the transformation of Jesus in her life. This is a conditional offer of an unconditional love. This offer is available now, but as soon as we lose air in our lungs, the offer is off the table. Hebrews 9.27, just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that judgment. Friends, is this not enough to think that we are good enough? that we know who we really are, the realisation is that we are never good enough in our own right. That is true. However, through the lens of salvation and God's love, as we've been singing these songs this morning, I'm just thinking as I read these songs going, yes, this is your love. Oh boy, I'm just so thankful for your love, of your grace. We are accepted before God based on the sacrifice of Christ's gift. I like what John says. He says, you have conquered the evil one. How? Because Jesus conquered the evil one and he gives us that victory in his name. In John 1.12, it says, for all those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. So when we believe in him, God then, the whole deal is different. He says, okay, if you believe in my name, now you have the right to be in relationship with me. Now you are holy. You are unholy, but now you are holy. You are unrighteous, but now you are righteous. You are unworthy, but now you are worthy. You are unredeemed, but now you are redeemed. What a gospel message. What a good news. What a, what a great opportunity for us to be reminded of how good it is to know God. How blessed it is but not just to leave it there, to do something with that. God loves you because of who God is, not because of anything you did or didn't do, Regina Brett. In Ephesians 2, it says, God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved on us, even when we we're dead in sins and transgressions, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were dead, this great love is there. Before, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, I love the, mention, the scripture that Kristen mentioned earlier, that even in our sin we're dead and we're lost. He made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Even when you were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive in Christ, and by grace you have been saved. Friends, this is my conclusion. I invite Kristen to come up, please. Begin to play. In fact, the band, if they like to come up, they're welcome to do that as well. So what is this all about? You can see with the front title, I had not good enough, but I had not crossed out. Yeah, we're not good enough on our own right, but when Jesus accepts us and when he pours his love into our hearts, we are good enough. And if people think they're good enough before Christ, then they don't need a saviour and they don't need to hear the gospel and they don't need the good news and they won't need to celebrate Easter or Christmas and they shouldn't have those holidays anyway if they don't believe. Anyway, that's my personal opinion. The holidays come from the word holy day. 
But what helps us is to realise that we don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend we're perfect. Sometimes the pressure on leadership and pastors is to think that we're going to be perfect and everything and perfect and good and, and this and that. And that's just a lie from the enemy. And it places so much pressure on, on people. Part of what COVID did is put that, that pressure on a lot of leadership and pastors. Now we have this mass resignation. They call it the great resignation. So that's happening with our pastors and leaders. What are many of us processing and contemplating and thinking about? You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to pretend to be perfect and you got it all together. That's what the devil wants you to do. Friends, if you're battling with an issue, I want you to know God is for you. If life seems unfair or cruel and hard, God is for you. Jesus is for you. This is the good news. This is the good news. Second Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.1, it says that it is God who makes us worthy. We were created in His image because He loves us. You are enough because Christ is enough. God doesn't rescue you because you beg for His help. He doesn't protect you because you are perfect in all that you do. He doesn't answer your prayers because you prayed for hours. No, it's because of His love for you and your love back to Him. And because you hold on to dear life. It's because you call out to Him and He says, here I am, I will help you. I felt as I was preparing this, there were some words I wanted to speak over, over you right now. Friend, whoever you are, I want you to know this, that you are enough. Maybe your loved ones and family don't think this. Maybe they, they think that because we go to church, we're better than them. Well, we're not better than them. We just receive grace. And I feel like there's this, there's this war, this holy war, an unholy war that's beginning to happen where, where there's us and them and it's not meant to be that way. You are enough. In His grace and love, you are valued and dearly loved. And God would give you permission to be free today, to be released from self-destructive habits and holes that are keeping you from knowing Jesus more. You may know Him, but there may be something stopping you in the way. Jesus wants to remove those negative mindsets, the destructive thinking and the questions about your identity. They will always want you to feel trapped, isolated, alone and fearful. The relentless battle of self-image, self-deprecating behaviour. And then here God says, stop. That's not what I want for you. I want to give you my spirit. I want to come and fill you with life and life to its fullest. And I felt God say this. He wants me to speak healing today over you. So I speak healing. He told me to speak life over you and hope again for those to hope. To speak freedom where there hasn't been freedom. Where there's been internal battles and struggles and you've wondered really, how can God be in this? He said to speak the name of Jesus. Kim Sorgia said this, it's where our own abilities and efforts end that God can truly shine through us in ways that impacts those around about us. So this is what I want to speak as I close. I speak a release of self-anger over those who maybe internally no one knows. This self-anger, this self-hate, this self-loathing, it's got to stop. This sense of even self-righteousness that you can, you've done so well on your own or in your own effort, but no, you need Jesus. 
self-centeredness where we, the world is teaching us to focus on you, number one. You're number one. That's not true. Then there's shame and self-blame. And I want to speak that off to you today. For the oldest to the youngest, don't receive that anymore. Don't carry that anymore. Jesus died for you not to be released, to be released from that, not to carry that. And we all pick it up. We pick up those old hurts and we carry them because we felt safe and we felt secure and because they were familiar. But he's saying, leave them alone. Just hold on to my hand and I will guide you. Remember, you are precious to him. He made you. And Jesus offers us always a new start every day, a fresh start with a revitalized hope. And he says, all you have to do is ask for my help. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Friends, you are loved, you matter to God, and you are enough in Christ. And that is our gospel. And that is our message. And when people hear that and they know that you're not good enough without Christ, that's just the reality. How can anyone be saved if we don't think we're a sinner? That's the reality. That's the good news. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I speak, Father, right now, your love and life, your healing, your friendship, your grace over us. Oh, Lord, forgive us when we, we get so fixated that we are enough in our own sense of person. How about we need you? We humble ourselves today. We cry out to you and say, God, we need you. Help us to be your light. Help us to be, Father, uh, people who can share your gospel. Help us to be disciples and followers after you and help make disciples. Help us, Lord, in all the day and activities and challenges that we face that we will remind ourselves that you are with us. You are here to help us. We are not on our own. We're not left to our own devices. You are here. And I pray with all sincerity, Lord, that every one of us today hears this message, whether live here in the lounge or even later on online through our, our podcast page on the website. I pray this. Jesus, speak to us afresh. Renew our hearts in your love. Remind us of all that you are and all that you're doing. Help us to take our eyes off ourselves and to put our eyes on you we pray this in Jesus' name. And we know that we are still a work in progress. It's a journey. And we thank you that we are not alone. So yes, it's true. We are not good enough in our own right. But because of Christ Jesus, we are accepted. We are beloved. We are adopted. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.